We are recording this episode on one of the chillier days we've had here in Tampa, but we are loading up this Gasparilla overload. It is sure to not disappoint. Buckle up for an incredible show so far. We started out the overload with Debbie Lumberg, and ever since, each entrepreneur has been lights out in advice to improve your day. Here we are starting with this quote. We can't solve problems by using the same thinking that we used when we created them. Einstein said it, and this week's guest, Doug Hill, lives by it. Welcome back to That Entrepreneur Show. My name is Vincent A. Lancy, and I want to welcome you, Doug, to the show. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Vincent. I'm looking forward to having your journey join this Gasparilla Overload. And today's guest is passionate about creating a worldwide business that will improve digital security. He joins the show as the founder of Real Random. They have developed hardware and software for a cloud-based system to deliver true random numbers that are impossible to predict. Real Random is a design win built to support internet infrastructure security operations of companies like Amazon, Juniper Networks, and Cisco. I learned networks are as strong as their weakest access points. Doug helps organizations with high security standards secure every device on their networks at the root level the random seeds used to generate secure keys. His role as a land developer laid the groundwork for managing complex processes found in technology innovation and development for commercialization. Some other areas of discussion are gonna include core values, integrity, inclusiveness, and innovation for all. Stay tuned for the spotlight story at the halfway point, and we have a great one this Part of the Gasparilla episode, this might be my favorite one, because for this one, we're actually going to go over some history of Gasparilla for everyone who is not in Florida, and I'm sure we'll have some Tampa banter with that. But Doug Hill, are you ready to kick this show off? Yes, I am. Thank you. All right. Let's date back a little bit. When did you start your entrepreneurship journey? Why did you become an entrepreneur? My entrepreneurial journey started when I was seven years old, and I was in the backseat of a car with my parents and my dad was in real estate and he stopped at a stop sign and he pointed out a building and he looked at my mother and he said, I bought that building today. <laughs> it was typical for my dad not to communicate with my mom, uh, but that put a light bulb in my head that you could have more than just a job. You could own things where you didn't live and you could do it to generate multiple sources of income. This segment is sponsored by Bedrock Business Builders, a small business startup specialist. Start, build, manage. And that's really when my journey as an entrepreneur started. My willingness to assume economic risk, my willingness to fail and to set goals uh, that were maybe not achievable. Uh, that That's really when, when, it, when it started for me. So a long time ago. Goals so big, they scare you. I encourage all entrepreneurs to chase those big goals. And so at, you started at seven, you got that mindset young. What was your first business that you created? My first business was a contracting business, something that I knew how to do from working on buildings that my father owned. And it was relative low barrier to entry. Um, I started with a literally a $600 van uh, and a line of credit at a, at a, at a contractor supply center. 
And I grew that business through my college years to a systematized business that I was able to employ 15 people as a senior in college. I was making a, a nice income. That's impressive. Yeah. And uh, was able to leave college with almost zero debt. Well, that's a great accomplishment right there. As someone who pays their student loans every month, but that certainly is a long way from digital security here, Doug. Help me fill in the blanks. So uh, along the way, I, I've tried a number of different things uh, in, in my work, my professional life. Uh, and in 2012, I was at a point where land development Financing was stalled. Very little opportunity. Uh, land development depends largely on the ability to fund speculative activities. And so I decided that I'd always been interested in computers, programming, that I wanted to do something in technology, that instead of selling 500 homes or building five shopping centers, I could I could build something that could be sold to 500 million people every but sell it every month. So software as a service before that was really a prominent term, right? And so I set out, decided what to do. Uh, you know, I said do something in technology. Uh, I inherited a patent from my father-in-law who was deceased around that time, and the patent was for uh, protections around a slot machine to play the game of table craps. And the novel part was that the machine used physical dice. So whereas the majority of the machines at the time were moving from uh, mechanical devices to you know plasma screens, touch screens, etc. Um, I built a machine that randomized dice to play the game of table craps and it was rejected because it's a true random number generator. So that set me on my journey of, wait a minute, a true random number generator. Okay, I understand in the gaming business, you need to be able to control payout, so that's not gonna work. Right. But what about other applications, right? Why did I build this machine? I asked a friend of mine who's a physicist, and he said one word to me, encryption. And I said, I heard that word, I kinda know what it means and does, but I don't know anything about it. So uh, I spent a lot of time educating myself to, be, to become a, a subject matter expert on cryptographic key generation, right? And what I learned is that the majority of digital security is based on pseudo-randomness. And that pseudo-randomness over time presents patterns that much like solving a jigsaw puzzle, make it possible when we solve, when we solve a typical puzzle, we start out at the corners and we work our way around the edge and we work our way into the middle build the objects and create the image right well that's the same way a computer hacker works they look for patterns they determine a pattern they see a trend and they decrypt the key uh, by using clues okay so in our case we went from randomizing dice in a slot machine to figuring out how to create a process that was much more robust than two dice inside of a server rack so that we could support data centers to produce true random numbers that are completely unpredictable, impossible to guess, and robust 
beyond anything that is just today because you can see it as a human. When we roll dice across the table, we know that that's a random event. If we press a dice roller on our phone, we're not really sure. Is that random? Why? How is? How did that happen? We don't really know, right? It happens because an algorithm says, do this when this happens, right? Which is predictable. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got here. Slot machine to play the game of table craps. <laughs> I mean, it's it's incredible because I know how much work had to have gone in to make that happen. And even though it got rejected, it kind of sets you in the right direction. So everyone out there, if you have a rejection, things don't go your way. Just keep pushing. Use the skills you learned in that experience, just like Doug here did. And he pushed himself forward. But as entrepreneurs, Doug, we have to push ourselves forward in any way we can continue to grow what is one app, tool, book, workshop, something that helped you find success that we can lend forward to our community? Meditation. Let's talk about it. Meditation. It's an opportunity to reset your mind, to help you foc- focus, which as an entrepreneur is really the most important thing. It's easy as an entrepreneur to see bright, shiny objects and react. It's easy to have a friend or a consultant or a professional offer what is seemingly free advice, but maybe derails you from what it is that you're really trying to accomplish. It's not to say that you have to block out those sources of support in your life, because as an entrepreneur, you need a lot of support because as you just said, rejection is the norm. Failure is the norm. And so meditation gives you something that is available anywhere. It's free to use. And it's a habit that helps you build your power to focus. I love everything you just said. I put that right here in the show notes or when it comes out. Failure is the norm. Rejection is the norm. We're going to have to find a way to get used to it or entrepreneurship will not be for you. I could speak for myself personally, rejections, no answers, emails, call it during COVID, especially as a school speaker, things got challenging, getting those one or two yeses to turn the table, find a way to keep going. But before we hop into this week's spotlight story, like I said, everyone, we're going to look at the history of Gasparilla. What are some more challenging parts of entrepreneurship for you to help out our audience battling the same adversity? Um, one is battling self-doubt. Self-doubt is a very costly emotion because it disables you from focusing on what you're intending to accomplish. And so battling self-doubt and quieting those voices uh, is possible if you're disciplined, if, if, if you don't allow yourself to listen to that channel. Um, imposter syndrome. Why did that person, I'm doing the same thing they're doing. Why did they get funding? Why did they have that customer? Why, why, why? Right? Well, you don't know how many times that person failed. You don't know what network that person strived to build to be able to get the opportunity to land that customer, land that account, 
get that opportunity. You don't know what sacrifices that person may have made. You don't know what concessions that person may have made to, to make that contract, make that sale, et cetera. And so imposter syndrome is very dangerous and costly because you can only see from the outside. Yep. Only the, first, the only person that you have all the information about is you. And so living your own life, staying focused on your own goals and living with an intention to share with others, help others, look for opportunities to lift others up. That's the good stuff. That's gratifying when you know that you've helped someone else. And what comes around goes around. It absolutely does. Paying it forward is what it's all about. One of the many goals of this podcast is to help all these business owners out there through people who have been there, help them on a firsthand basis. Thank you for such a great episode so far, Doug. And now we are going to hop into this week's spotlight story. I'm excited to share a little bit on Gasparilla for everyone who is new to the topic. This is something I also wrote about my first book, Left for Dead, because when I was in the hospital, it was during Gasparilla times. I was watching the boats go by on the water. Um, not something I particularly like to think about, but it helped mold me into a better me. Let's dive right into it. The Gasparilla Pirate Festival is a popular event that occurs in Tampa. The crew of Jose Gaspar invade the Tampa city and lead their band of pirates into the city where they take the key of the city from the mayor of Tampa, starting the main attraction of the Parade of Pirates. It is the third largest parade in the U.S. and a staple event in Tampa. As I mentioned, the Gasparilla Pirate Festival is named after Pirate Jose Gaspar. This festival, along with three other parades, are a sight to witness, and it began back in 1904 when the story of the hidden treasure of Jose Gaspar resurfaced and Luis Francis Dodge, along with George Hardy, worked with the government of Tampa to create a mock pirate invasion. They hoped that the festivities would draw a larger crowd to their May Day festivities. They had no idea the festival would blossom into what it is today. But Gaspar was a pirate who is said to have invaded Florida in the late 18th and 19th centuries. Gaspar was a Spaniard who was supposedly banished from the court of the Spanish king and began a life of piracy. He ravaged the town and left a treasure hidden away for future pirates to find, and while the legitimacy of his existence has been questioned, it has retained legendary status as the namesake of the festival. If the festival will begin with an invasion of Gaspar and his crew, which are fancifully named Yamistic Crew. For the first seven years of the festival, the pirates would invade via horse into town. However, in 1911, they invaded via the port on the ship for the first time, and they have continued this tradition to present day. In 1937, they commissioned their first ship, the Jose Gasparilla, and eight years later, the Jose Gasparilla II was built and now is the world's only fully functioning pirate ship, which was cool to learn. Doug, I'd like to bring it back here, some takeaways from the article. Anything you'd like to add on the topic of Gasparilla? Don't miss it. If you're in Tampa, if you can get to Tampa, the electricity from the crowd, the excitement, it's difficult to beat. And the reenactment is fascinating. Uh, I had the pleasure of living on 
uh, Sparkman channel okay. for two years and uh, in a high rise there. And so I could see, see the event, a uh, lot of smiling faces. I love that it's not political in any way. Um, I love how the uh, crowd really gets into character with the, the garb and all the, the accessories. Uh, and it's just cool. You know, it's just, it's something to see. I love it. I want to delve a little deeper here with you as someone who is a Tampa local. What is one of your favorite Gasparilla memories or what is one of your favorite things to do have done on Gasparilla? Uh, my favorite thing is seeing the children because they are experiencing something new and the excitement uh, and uh, all the, you know, their reenactments. So I, I'd say, I'd say that's probably the, the coolest part is, um, you know, the kids. And I think a great, great way to, to view it. If you don't have a boat, um, you can use the water taxi, go to different places. That's, that's really a, a great way to get around. Um, it's fun and it's, it's, uh, keeps you out of the Uber because <laughs> um, it can get pretty, you know, pretty congested at that time. So it's, it's a great way to, to inter interact with other people. So all in all, uh, just a great community building event. The city does come together and I love the water taxi recommendation. I'm going to have to try that this year because someone every year, Ubers are not only impossible to get to exactly where you are, if anywhere close, there's like a 5X surge at a minimum. Right. You're, it's costing you to go just a few blocks. Love the Gasparilla memories there, Doug. Before we learn which entrepreneur you would sit down with throughout history, is there anything else you would like to share on your business? Can't say uh, other than uh, I've recently moved from the Embark Collective, which was a wonderful experience in downtown Tampa. Oh, cool. Over to St. Petersburg uh, to the St. Pete Innovation District Maritime and Defense Hub. And we're 20 companies from the 21st. And our fo the focus there is, uh, is mainly on national security. So I'm now uh, interfacing with companies that are doing interesting things like sail drone, uh, circumnavigating the globe to map the bottom of the ocean, as well as provide reconnaissance to military, uh, uh, selling data to NOAA, selling data for uh, example, coastal communities like St. Petersburg, where, the, where flooding is, is a major issue in storms, um, we're working with uh, organizations to provide them with better information so that they can be more planful and uh it's, it's a great spot over there at the inno hub and I'm, I'm excited to be there congratulations on the success moving forward surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals surrounding yourself with players to help you win speaking of players to help you win if you could have that conversation one to move the needle forward with any entrepreneur throughout history dead or alive who's on the top of that list i'm gonna have to go with thomas edison love the choice let's talk about why well, because of all the rejection he faced, right? And because of all that he accomplished. Um, and it's very difficult when you're introducing something new uh, to get people to understand it and to change their behavior, right? So I can just imagine Thomas Edison, he invented the light bulb, but in order 
to use a light bulb, you need a lamp, right? So imagine the economics. I'm making my own candles out of fat from animals, right? Relatively free, kind of a cost, but not that much, right? They work, they illuminate my home when it's dark, okay? And then someone comes along and they say, well, now you have to buy a light bulb, buy a lamp, buy electricity, right? Mm -hmm. Someone had to, so that light bulb wasn't just a light bulb. It was something to change the world, right? You changed the world because he made the world a safer place. Very important, right? Um, he made the world a more efficient place. Very important. He made the world more livable, right? So despite the rejection, he did it. I love he it. Did it in a big way. I ended my MBA commencement speech with uh, a quote from him as well. There's a better way to do it. Find it. Where would this meeting go down if you had the ability to choose that as well? It would go down at his house or former home in Fort Myers. I did not know he was over here. Where he had his laboratory. Uh, he and Henry Ford were neighbors. Did not know that either. And he and Ford often... Uh, would collaborate on things. They're members of the Rod and Gun Club, which at various locations throughout Southwest Florida. And their homes are now open as museums in downtown Fort Myers. Wow, that is pretty sweet. I did not know that. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for such a great episode, Doug. I'm glad we connected everyone out there. Cold networking sometimes does the trick. I reached out to Doug on LinkedIn. <laughs> Thank you again so much for taking the time to join the Gasparilla Overload. Where can people find you online? Request your services, the company, everything. Right. Thank you. So it's website is realrandom.co. And my LinkedIn is uh, just Doug Hill, uh, Real Random. All right, Doug. Thanks again. And we are at That Entrepreneur Show and at Vincent A. Lancey on all social media and YouTube. Be sure to head to YouTube for a video clip of this show. And to everyone out there in Tampa, I hope you're having a great week and stay safe on the holiday. Doug, have a great holiday. Thank you. Thank you.